0: Welcome to episode number 331 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is an awesome video podcast from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill.
1: I'm Thanos.
2: We'll explain that next episode. Okay. That was Ryan, by the way. I'm Michael. (laughs)
0: on this week's wonderful episode, we discuss the changing of the tech environment going on lockdown. Then we discuss Fedora thinking about ethical telemetry. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. (laughs)
1: So our community feedback this week comes from Ostosi. I think that's how you pronounce it. We'll go with that. They say, I've really enjoyed the discussion about AI in episode 330 of Destination Linux. Why is anyone surprised or excited that AI chatbots are being, bots, well, bots, are being introduced into office suites? Microsoft already did that in the 1990s. Remember Clippy? It looks like you're writing a letter. Would you like some help? It wasn't much in terms of AI, but it sure was way ahead of its time. It also annoyed the Hades out of people. I can only hope the new AI chatbots will be less annoying and more helpful. Destination Linux has been one of my favorite podcasts since I discovered it in 2020. Honestly, one of the most informative, unbiased, and considered talk shows on Linux. Keep up. The great work, man! That That's right so nice right there just touched my little heart, and I don't yeah, have a big heart. I got so a little much. black hole where there is a heart supposed to be, but you know, Jill has slowly grown a little heart in me, Aww. and that little heart it was touched. Aww. That was very sweet. Thank, Love that.
0: Thank you so much, Astazi, for writing in and for all the wonderful kind words. And yes, Clippy is back for better or worse.
1: <laughs> but, is it really back, or is it just? Open source.
0: No, uh, uh, Clippy is supposed to be back on the Windows desktop once again, but this time using Chat GPT AI. I just read all about it. <laughs>
2: so they did technically open source it a while back, and just yes. kind of be like, we don't care about this anymore. And now they seem to have brought it back with Chat GPT. Yeah. And they they wanted to make it so people could in- use these chat buts uh, chat bots. That's, <laughs> that's going around somehow. Chatbot.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm like I feel like I'm five years old because I was laughing at that. <laughs>
1: Well, and in, in our hearts, we are all five years old. <laughs> exactly. Listen, uh, I did not know this, yeah. interestingly enough. So, you all knew something I didn't know. I did not know that. I knew they open sourced Clippy. Yeah. And that was like, oh, clearly Microsoft loves open source because we have Clippy now. It's just. Yes,
2: yeah, they've, awesome. they've just allowed know they everyone to enjoy
1: the wonders of Clippy yeah. you know? back in to integrate into Windows. And. Well, that makes me happy because I think the Linux desktop at this point will soar to new heights based on that
0: information. <laughs> uh, yes.
1: because
2: uh, yes. People Clippy are going to be more annoyed again. Yes. <laughs> it's like they didn't learn from the first time.
1: <laughs> Clippy was the worst thing ever. I remember trying to work on work documents in an enterprise workplace with tens of thousands of employees. And we have the professional versions of the software that we license for our employees and yeah. trying to write a uh, email or document having Clippy pop up right in the middle of it. When you're in the middle of that deep thought where you're about to get that great point across that you it's just on the tip of your fingertips to get it out. (laughs) And Clippy's like, Hey, can I help you? And then you're trying to get rid of it, and it never seemed to be easy
2: to get rid of Clippy to make yeah. Clippy go away. Clippy you click really the X, and he would just—it would just kind of like my, my favorite is when you would you click it and it just kind of like dance at you. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like you're trying—it it knows you wanted to go away. Like, nah, nah, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still Clippy.
0: Yeah, you always <laughs> had to go into you know find the the settings. Uh, in, in the application, very deeply, <laughs> and turn it off. Uh, it was until that. the
1: next version uh, released yeah. in which Clippy came back. So you'd have to keep attacking that setting to make Clippy go away. And then I think when you minimize Clippy, it was still there, like a little, little Clippy. Well, the yeah, wonderful thing
2: about Clippy is that you could slightly less annoy yourself by changing it into a puppy. And then it's just a little adorable puppy barking at you. Yeah. See, that's interesting. I never knew you could actually
1: change Clippy into other things. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't change defaults. Yeah.
0: And that's inspired by, you know, Clippy (laughs) was actually inspired by the Microsoft Bob user interface back in 1995. And there was a cartoon dog named Rover and other cartoon characters that, you know, provided guidance with using speech balloons.
2: Well, they provided guidance. That's a nice way of saying irritation.
0: (laughs) Irritation, yeah. That's a
2: nice way of saying that, yeah.
0: Clippy it used to take up a lot of memory, a lot of freaking memory. <laughs>
2: really? That. I never tested it. Yeah, that. That's in, interesting. In
0: the early days I mean, of Clippy. In, in the, it's it was,
2: Microsoft, so I'm not surprised. Uh, and also the fact that their hardware back then was not that powerful anyway. Exactly.
0: You know? And that was the yeah. the problem. You were on older computers, and if especially if you had a, a huge uh, document or an Excel document that was already taking a lot of memory, uh, Clippy would sometimes crash <laughs> office.
1: Yeah. But, you know, it's amazing because even when they got rid of Clippy and they just introduced the help portion where you could ask for help, it literally never has the answer to the things I need help. I have never in all my years, I think, actually been able to use that effectively compared to just typing it quickly into a browser and getting the actual answer that I need. Like the help for most software is probably the armpit of all software development. Like it's
2: just so bad. Good, right? Yeah. Well, the problem is, is, is that that's when you have like the help things and like the documentation that's built into these applications. They can only change them when they release a new version. So everyone just adopted the online documentation process because then that defeats the uh, entire necessary effort to even mess with that stuff. Yeah. So I think that that is the. I think that's overall ultimately good that that happened, but. Idea that these things are AI is actually kind of funny to me because this this feedback made me think about the these chatbots or the ChatGPT and the Google Bard and all that stuff are effectively just super powered Clippies.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: <laughs> true. Because they're not actually AI in any way. We call them that for some reason. But well, we also I was excited call about AI until this conversation. <laughs> yeah, care less about
0: yeah we still yeah. have to prompt uh, the avatars and the questions.
1: All right. Well, that was an awesome email. Thank you so much for sending that in. And thank you very much for the kind words. That really does mean a lot to us, uh, especially after the whole Red Hat episode in which we got a lot of opposite <laughs> emails to that. So we <laughs> really appreciate uh, you sticking with us
2: since 2020. That's, that's we amazing. do appreciate that. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, high availability software, and that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, which is industry leading open source software defined storage. LinBit is awesome because they make these products that are just super useful, whether you're using it in enterprise or you're using it in your own setup, because this stuff is open source and you can use it however you want. And it's built into the kernel so you can just activate the module and then use it. So what does DRBD do? Well, what it does is it takes the ability to have multiple different computers and build them into a cluster so you have data duplication and replication. So if you ever have an issue where one of your your computers or nodes Uh, goes down and does, you know, faulty stuff, then you have another machine that takes over primary and becomes the one that has all the stuff. So even though it becomes out of sync, as soon as that other computer comes back, it pulls in and updates everything automatically and you don't have to do any of this stuff. It's handling it all automatically in the DRBD software. And then you have LinStore, which basically takes DRBD and turns it into a storage solution. And you have a huge high availability software solution and so much more. And with Linbit, they also have this setup where you can do it on multiple platforms, multiple operating systems, and you can do it on off-the-shelf hardware. So all of this can be done. You can set it up yourself, build it out yourself, and everything with zero vendor lock-in and just get going immediately. And you also can contact LinBit to get the support or custom updates and all sorts of great stuff. You check out LinBit.com to see all of their great software and to check out what they can do to help you with your implementation. Hey, Ryan, um, you've been an avid Twitter user for many years. So how's your Twitter experience been recently? You have oh. to bring up these really <laughs> sad moments of yeah. life right now? Yes. yes, I did. On the show,
1: we want to do this. You want to do this here. I mean, talk about Twitter here because... Yes. It's not been great at all. Like I don't have, I never had other social networks. I don't want to say never. I've played with all the social networks, but I got rid of almost all of them. In fact, at one point, all of them and only had Twitter because it was a place where I could publish my YouTube videos and then see what's going on. It was kind of like a news feed. Sometimes you get news and stuff from other places and blah, blah, blah. And recently, Twitter... For me, I'm talking about me. If you enjoy it, please continue enjoying it. But for me, the one thing I hate the most is people talking about politics. Like, Mm -hmm. there is nothing. And I don't care what side you're on. They're both stupid, in my opinion. And (laughs) when I see them all attacking each other all through these Twitter feeds on their politics, it drives me nuts. And all my Twitter feed has become, since Elon Musk took over, is... Conspiracy theories Mm. and politics. The two things that drive me the most absolute insane. And my entire feed is just filled with it to the point where Michael and I actually had a conversation where he's like, you need to get off all of this stuff because it's making you angry. Because it was literally making me angry. Uh So when you talk about...
2: He emotional said, hey, have you impact. heard about this? And like, no, I don't pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Michael pays
1: attention to nothing. He's the opposite. Like, yeah. Michael doesn't look That's at why I'm happy most news. of the time. <laughs> That's why he's happy. Yeah. And I look at all the news and then like try to come up with this middle of the road approach. And you can't anymore because it's all so wacko, especially here in the United States. Like you just can't even pay attention to any of it. So Twitter's a, a hot mess. I don't like the interface anymore it is slow many times it just seems like it's hobbling along very crappily <laughs> as a social network and it never really was a great social network to begin with let's be honest like it was you know a little what 250 character tweets and thing you yeah, couldn't really so express annoying. yourself and maybe from a privacy standpoint that's what i liked about it technically you could reach me on a social network but not really. And that was kind of what Twitter was. But now I just I can't, like, I can't even go on it. Like, I don't even open it anymore. I used to always go every day and at least look. Now I, I don't even open it. And I didn't do that consciously. I just realized I just started not wanting to see what people's hot take was on the recent U.S. political yeah. disaster,
2: you know? I actually like the idea of having the short amount of characters because it meant you had to, if you wanted to get your entire message across, to, uh, you basically have to do it in one message. Like the whole tweet threads is not really gonna work for most people. And I like the idea because it means you had to be more concise, which is good because a lot of people were very long-winded in, you know, blog posts or they send uh, an email and there's like four or five paragraphs and they create, basically create a novel. And this was, you know, an easier experience. But then Twitter has decided that they're gonna fix some stuff for you, Ryan. Yeah. And how they're doing that is by locking down the APIs. Brilliant. Aren't you excited about it? Freaking
1: great. Just another <laughs> fantastic <laughs> yeah. move from the Twitterverse. Like,
2: the best thing about Twitter was the third-party tools that you could use to interact with Twitter. And now you can't do that.
1: No. <laughs> Yay. You know what's an interesting problem? One of the things I really liked of Elon Musk taking over is he was like, hey, I'm going to create a platform that's gonna be like the town square where everyone can have their voice heard. And from whatever belief you have, you can get out there and have it heard. And as a free speech proponent, I really liked this idea. Like, I really was like, man, that's that's what we need in social. Now, there's been too many things that have happened where governments and social networks are too close together and all this type of stuff. So I was like, this, this is good. And then I realized people in mass are stupid. And I really don't want to hear what they have to say in maths. So that has created this really interesting problem, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting to point out. And it's also because that's also why mass hysteria exists. You yeah. know, when Twitter announced that Elon was taking over, there was a lot of people who were excited about that. And I was not one of those people Me because either. he's had a track record of, just saying random nonsense before he owned it. And I did not expect that to change. And it did not. Now, also, he decided to do random nonsense for the system itself. And I think that's really what the the crux of the matter is. When Twitter became an annoying thing to use, it was already kind of annoying to some people, but it became very annoying just randomly. And then also everything that made Twitter interesting, which was the verified badges... To prove someone is really who they are, you can now just pay for, for like eight bucks a month. Like that, what? Well, one of the the most
1: beloved billionaires, because Elon was for a while, one of the most beloved billionaires, other people because of electric cars, the Tesla and all that. When one of the most beloved billionaires must have just completely spit their coffee out when Facebook Zuckerberg went and launched Threads, the competitor Woohoo! to Twitter. Yes, <laughs> And I would say Zuckerberg's probably the most made fun of and disliked, one of the most disliked billionaires out there and immediately gets 50 million yeah. users on like day one, which surpasses any social network ever yeah. because people are so desperate to get away from whatever Twitter has become. Now, I know there's people out there who like it, And you may have done a better job than me controlling your feeds and who you follow and everything else, but then I did because I've, there are people like Michael, you say you don't have all that stuff going on Twitter. But then again, Michael says, I don't even use it. So you can't really trust what Michael says. My (laughs) feeds,
2: my feed is very limited, but also the whole idea of there's this, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's kind of like a digital diet where you take the things that you're on, for, you're on for social media or you're constantly on YouTube watching videos, or you're constantly doing, you know, insert whatever thing that's related to the internet and or just digital stuff period and just deciding to take a break from it. And I took like a 30 day, 60 day break from Twitter and uh, Facebook at the time when people were actually still using it and all the other stuff that was active at that, that point with social media. And then after about a month, I realized I kind of just enjoyed not looking at it, and I I felt like I had a little bit of talking
1: to people. Then you got a girlfriend. You (laughs) got out off the streets. You ate real food. I'm I'm not joking about a couple of those. Michael used to eat horrendously. Like, (laughs) first of all, he would forget to eat most of the time, and then when he did eat, it was something terrible. But Maybe the social what are we media. T- Why are we talking about? My, <laughs> because my, I think it's important. Just for because I to said think digital about,
2: diet, I didn't say you had to bring up my actual diet. <laughs>
1: I think it's important for people to think about how much social media controls their uh, lives and. I decisions mean, yeah, because it's, it's
2: you're not thinking about it. You're just kind of, like. There's yeah. also another thing that I thought of of the um, the idea that you only have so many decisions and you get decision fatigue so you just stopped making like c- good decisions because after yeah. a while there's only so many you can make in a day and then maybe that's why i was making like the decisions to eat terrible food because i was spending the amount of time i should be on Prepping social media like social you know media, twitter yeah. and whatever yeah maybe well, that is what it is i don't i don't know exactly what it is but i felt like a sense of relief when i stopped paying attention to these 100%. things Yeah, and then i st- i also took it farther and I stopped paying attention to news and current event and stuff like that because I look at I took you just r- made approach your own little bubble. No, yeah. it's I'm not like uh, oblivious. We'll, we'll to what's be at going war
1: on. and there will be a zombie apocalypse, and Mike will be calling me. So, what are we doing on the next episode of DL?
2: Like, Michael. <laughs> I'm not I'm oblivious, like, oblivious don't to what's going exploding? on. Ryan. I, I'm not oblivious. I, I, I just <laughs> feel like if it's super important, someone will tell me, and that has typically happened. So, essentially, I use other people, like friends and family, as the Filter for me of not having to pay attention to stuff. Aww. They're like, "Hey, Michael, this new president, who Reagan? Michael, <laughs> Wait, Michael, who's that, Ryan? Who's that? Yeah, well, exactly. uh, Reagan. Who? <laughs> I,
0: I do something similar that Michael does. I, I'm using Twitter every day. In fact, I use it here for our network to tweet about all our shows, and it's it's been problematic for me <laughs> the last few days. But yeah. with Twitter, when I'm going through my feed, I'm only paying attention to Linux news, and yeah. you know the Linux developers. The Linux
1: people are good. That's you all Linux I people pay attention good. to.
0: Everyone so else. that really, really, yeah. <laughs> really helps. And also, I do think that Elon Musk had some really good ideas for Twitter, like being able to edit your tweet. But what I didn't yeah. know is he's going to put it behind a paywall. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> which I would be fine paying for a social media because I think we can't have both things. And then we need to get off this topic because actually we actually have a point about all of this here in a second. We have a point? <laughs> I don't mind paying for a social network if it gave yeah. me privacy. Yes. But none, none of the privacy policies have improved in Twitter and then they want to pay. And that's where I have a problem. Like, well, I would also be they fine paying for, for a really good had. social media account in which, you know... They weren't stealing my data. But Michael, you wanted to bring in my little... You wanted to pour salt in my open wound with Twitter
2: here. How's Reddit been for you recently, sir? Uh, Okay, so unfortunately, it's basically the same thing. So Reddit has decided to lock down their APIs as well And for those who are not aware, because we haven't really explained it, API is the application programming interface is what it stands for. And essentially what it means is that you're able to take data from one service and put it into another service pretty easily. And I almost never use the Reddit official tools on my phone. I always use a third party app like Reddit is fun, for example, and I would always use some way to interact with Reddit that didn't require me to be on the Reddit tools because the Reddit tools were not good. Yeah. That you, you had to, you can only use one account and I like to have multiple accounts. They bought one of the
1: tools, third-party tools, to make their tool and then ruined the third-party tool because the third-party tool they bought was one of the top third-party tools. They bought it, ruined it, and everyone still went to other third-party tools. That's how
2: yeah. good Reddit is. At I mean, to be fair, so did Twitter. The exact same thing they did with TweetDeck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
2: exact same thing. Uh, So Reddit has decided to do this API switch. And it's it's one thing to make a paywall behind your APIs. If you want to lock it down and put up a paywall, I can see like, okay, maybe that's fine. But it depends on how much you're charging. Reddit decided, let's make it so extravagant that it's impossible for any of these third-party tools to actually support it. Yes. I think they had like one of the third-party tools I'm not sure which one. I think it was Apollo or s- someone. Apollo. Apollo. Yep. Yeah, they they mentioned it was like $20 million to keep it running. Like, yeah. That's insane. Like, the fact that Reddit would think that that's okay is just absurd. And then wouldn't even talk to
1: the developer. And the developer created a situation in which he just posted public things that, that he was talking about with the internal Reddit uh, staff about this change and how much it was going to cost and everything and they would make claims about his code being inefficient so he went and open sourced all of his code and said tell me where it's inefficient then here's all the code tell me where it's <laughs> yeah. inefficient and all of these things and then the CEO at one point allegedly there's there's threads out there had a conversation and said the Apollo creator said one thing and i don't remember what it was but it was something to make him look it would make the Apollo creator look really bad and so he literally posted the recording of their conversation to prove he didn't But it was an interesting example of, number one, business, how to be really terrible at business, which the Reddit CEO does not. If you're going to make a change like this, which I'm not saying, I agree with Michael, like you can't expect a tech company to flip the bill for you to make money off of their technology endlessly and not pay something back. But they gave them almost no time to make the change, number one. And then, number two, the amount of money they're asking for is so ridiculous that... They basically are pulling a Microsoft, old Microsoft, I should say, and killing all the competition purposely, so everyone's forced to use their app. Yeah. Again, I don't think the decision in itself is one that you, they couldn't make. It's just the way they went about it. And Michael, I see you wearing Dignation shirt. And yes, yes I am. That really brings back memories. So please leave a comment or send us an email if you were a huge dig person in back in the day cuz dig was I the dig. original reddit before reddit was cool yeah. dig was it and if you knew about dig you were like in the underground of the internet <laughs> like it was the cool place to hang out and talk with people and then that ceo ruined dig too or somebody ruined dig i don't know they what sold
2: there. dig to yeah, someone they sh- they well technically it. there was a period of time where yeah. they tried to do some changes to the way it the functionality of like how the upvotes and downvotes worked and how they just started changing a few things that people just just left. Yeah, and started using Reddit, and then Dig was then kind of. They tried to save it, but they didn't really save it. Then they sold it off, and yeah. Dig still exists now. It's just in a very different form. When they
1: become popular, then somebody uses it as their platform, either a political group or something else, and just runs them into yeah. the ground. You know that just seems what happens with all of them because. Reddit has been uncool for a while now, let's be honest. Like, I love Reddit. I've loved Reddit for many years, but it's been getting, like, worse and worse and worse and worse with the,
2: like, groupthink. I always tell people the reason why Reddit is good is because you can specify which subreddits you go to. Originally, when you first get an account, they give you, like, automatically subscribe to these subreddits. And recently, these subreddits are... Just super annoying. So not only has it changed in terms of how they're treating the developers, it's changed overall, but. You've changed Reddit. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. not a good how change. How Your change interface
0: Reddit. changed. I like the older Reddit. <laughs> face yeah.
1: myself i don't I try actually make mind, mind
2: the, fancy the new fancy and it's never really better <laughs> a lot of times i don't it's, mind the new new <laughs> style of reddit it's uh, the, the fact that you can go back to the old style which is nice yeah I, my accounts still that do that nice. but yeah. the the new style is not that oh, bad you like that well they'll be getting rid of that then <laughs> probably time. they probably will get rid of that but the the thing that i feel is like the subreddits that you subscribe to is really what gives you the experience so subscribe to the things that you actually are interested in your reddit experience might be okay well, until you have to choose, use their applications because their applications are typically terrible. Yeah, but our,
0: our Linux the, for the win.
1: <laughs> well, our Linux is good and then it can be a hot mess. But that brings us back to why are we talking about social networks on this show? Number one, because we wanted to talk about social networks because it's interesting to see all the API changes and things that companies are making, I think, yeah. locking down, which talks to the overall tech sector and the fact that the money that was Mm -hmm. once there and being infiltrated into the tech sector is now gone. And companies are looking for ways. There's no longer a bunch of hedge funds overvaluing companies 30, 40, 50 times what they're actually worth and giving them endless money so that companies like Twitter and Reddit who don't turn profits can sit there and still allow someone to zap millions of dollars worth of ad revenue in a third party application away from them and be fine with it. Now tech companies are locking this stuff down for, I'm guessing, financial reasons, needing to make a profit, less money being invested in tech overall, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, wanting to IPO things eventually as well is probably on some of the minds of these services. But from a Linux and open source standpoint, there's also an impact to us because you mentioned, Jill, our Linux, which, let's be honest, sometimes can be a hot mess, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of good information there. These developers of open source projects because reddit is so popular have utilized reddit as a way to communicate with their communities yeah. as an example like yeah, also we use even twitter sometimes use q and communicate mm-hmm. yep and to provide information to provide updates you could talk with the developers there it's kind of been a cool place to be but what happened when this mess went down is a lot of people were mad with Reddit as an example and they did blackouts of all of the different subreddits. And so when you would go to a link, let's say you were looking for why is ubuntu have this issue, Reddit often being so popular would be one of the first or second results. Sometimes I would use Reddit as within my search engine because I knew Reddit would give me the type of answer that I'm looking for and you would go to that and it would be like this page is private, this page is not available and so all of a sudden this community stuff you had is effectively shut down because there was a protest going on.
2: Yeah, which, like a week, not these good. were inaccessible by a lot of subreddits. And now there seems to be still some reddits like that don't let you do it. There are some that they just decided to stay forever down until this change is happening. And this change doesn't seem like it's going to make any difference whatsoever. It's, it seems like Reddit has decided to do what they're gonna do. And these subreddits are just going to be down on principle. And I ran into a couple of times where I'm trying to find an answer for something. And in the past, I've seen many answers on Reddit. And now it feels like these, you know, the things that I could have found on Reddit are now all gone because I've hit the whole this private or this subreddit is private. private. Like probably a hundred times now where I even stopped looking. I even stopped clicking the Reddit links if I, if I don't know if that subreddit is back or not.
1: Oh, Reddit's annoying. another one. When Apollo went down, I deleted Reddit, deleted my account, and I've not been back since. Oh, okay. And I don't miss it. I used to yeah. use it every single day. Yeah, and same here. I don't miss it because, again, I didn't like the way the CEO responded to it. I thought he was very rude and obnoxious in the way that he handled it. I haven't liked the way Reddit was going for a long time. Again, it's like... uh echo chamber there in the reddit and you know everyone seems to have an ability to in in the side of the echo chamber to upvote everything they agree with and downvote anything that's contrary to their beliefs and so it just wasn't really a fun place but jill where should if you are an open source developer if you're somebody who creates Mm -hmm. software now that we know reddit can't be trusted most of the social networks can't be trusted what should people in your mind do to Communicate with the community with updates and other things. IRC chat, I'm sure is what you're going
0: to say. <laughs> no, I, I think oh. using the forums, like the discourse forum. We love our discourse forum and it's a brilliant pl- place to interact with the community and to post messages about what's going on, you know, in Linux and on our network.
2: Forum.tuxdigital.com.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, we have one?
0: <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> Forums are still, they've been around for years and they're still a great place to interact with the community. And you know, Reddit in a lot of ways is more was more kind of like a in a, a forum, but more immediate, I'd say, than a forum can be. I think it's, but, I
2: think it's only immediate because of how many people were on Reddit. Oh, like if you had true. the same amount of people on the forum on a Discord it forum,
0: as, it as, would feel the same. As, I think as, yeah.
2: Yeah. you know. Yeah. And also I think that they should that projects should build their own forums because that's a good way to not only have the value of the conversation and communication with your your users, but also it's a good way to have documentation
0: documentation accessible because these forums
2: are going to be indexed by these search engines and stuff like that. And I've found many, many answers because of forums. Now, sometimes those forums are super out of date, but there's also the new process of like the discourse system where you can have a QA system built into the forum and be much more up to date and you know have people Does it have Clippy though? <laughs> I Maybe. don't know yet, but I will I will be- definitely make sure to Let's submit see if there's a bug an report if they don't. Yeah. Uh but it's cool because like even Fedora has a Q&A system on their forum and you yeah. can just build that into it now because there's different plugins and stuff like that for discourse. So I, I think this is a good approach for any kind of project who wants to. The, the only downside is that you do have to sign up for another account, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's the wonders of having a password manager.
1: I want 50 million people to join our discourse after this episode. We want to show threads that we're yes, bought. we're going to prove
2: to Facebook that yeah. they are not <laughs> the best solution. 50 million of you right now go download. If you want to protest Reddit, Twitter, and Facebook, sign up for forum.tuxdigital.com. <laughs> I like it. Uh,
1: Ubuntu put a thread up recently where they're looking to move away from IRC as an example, and they're looking at alternatives there. And one of the alternatives they recommended was Matrix, which was not a very popular option a lot of people were replying back of the issues with moderation and all that stuff. Cause you're talking thousands and thousands of people would join that. Yeah. Yeah. And so IRC, is there a way, cause I kind of miss IRC. It's too old now. Is there a way we could ever bring it back in a way that it could compete where we create the next dig or Reddit and IRC and not make it, um, I don't know, so old that it is now like it just it's yeah. missing a lot of features cool. like searchability and all of that where you're not going to save anything there's things that i think could make IRC amazing
0: now discord just, uses a lot of the IRC code on the back yeah. end
1: i mean so, discord's a perfect example of something
2: on yeah. top of that but that's you know well the the, thing, the problem is, is that that's what Matrix really was trying to do hmm. was make IRC more valuable and more useful, and more secure, and more all that sort of stuff. But there is a limit to what IRC as a concept can even do. Like you're creating a federated system where no one knows where any of the servers are and no one knows how to sign up for those servers, you know. And a Matrix still has a similar problem, like there are still complexities to matrix that is yeah. not just you could you couldn't just tell some random person on the street to go sign up to matrix and they would understand what you're talking about i mean specifically the name of matrix is not good because you're competing with oh, let's see a movie that made billions of dollars for decades and everyone knows what it <laughs> is why would you do that anyway Uh, So uh, the other problem is that there's also the confusion between Matrix and Element and all the other clients that you can interact with uh, with Matrix and stuff. Like there's just a confusion level that they have to solve before it can become a solution that people from any level can just join. I want to right bring now, back it's IRC. enthusiast level. Yeah. And IRC has Yeah. But I think it can be. Yeah.
0: You got to know some command line with IRC just to get set well, up. Well, I but think it's modernizing easy.
2: IRC it's easy, is but still for us. <laughs> I think modernizing IRC is not possible because there are people You're who wrong. are trying to do it. Someone's going to prove you wrong. <laughs> Well, my, not Matrix me, is, Matrix is trying to prove me wrong, and they have not succeeded. Is yeah. the point? But sure. I think IRC has a, has some cool features, but it also has a lot of big flaws. And the, that's one of the biggest ones is the lack of like activity log. So you join a chat room, and if you weren't there before, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. Like Matrix solved that, but then they also have terrible moderation tools. So, you know, there's, there's so many flaws here and there that these platforms are just not options. And what is the best platform? I don't know. We're discord. currently using discord because it's the easiest and it's, it has the most people already and all that sort of stuff. So you slash t- discord. If you want to check that Everything out. that starts with the dis is good. Discord. Discourse. Discourse. <laughs> yeah. tracks. <laughs> <Dis-tracks.
0: laughs>
1: there you go. All right. So, that's kind of the that's kind of the PSA, I guess, in a way, is for the developers, hey, if you were utilizing Reddit as your main place to communicate with people, we may want to think about something more permanent because who knows what's going to happen with Reddit now at this point. And all of these companies that have APIs, it looks like we're losing access to a lot of them. I think YouTube's been pushing back on some of its API access. LinkedIn has been pushing back on some of its API access. All these companies are kind of pulling back from something that a lot of developers and people and even schools and researchers have enjoyed utilizing these APIs to uh, create new extensions or do studies oh, yeah. and things like that. And all this stuff's kind of getting locked down. So it's just an interesting time in the tech community. I think it was worthy of a discussion and the fact that I miss DIG and IRC and how to tell people you're over 40 without telling people you're over 40. Aww. DIG and IRC. This shirt right here. Yeah. Right
0: <laughs> I still use IRC, right? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I do too sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> once a while, but it's not exactly a great experience, yeah. let's be honest.
2: I, I basically treat mailing lists and IRC similar. I use it if I have to, but prefer not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go from the topic of people removing the ability to get data to a topic about collecting data. That's ah, right. Yes. It's time to get your pitchforks and torches out. I'm woo ready. Who because- we We burning. <laughs> because Fedora is currently in talks about capturing telemetry in their distro in an ethical way. Want to make sure that that is clear. And another thing to make clear is that this is a proposal that is being discussed. Not that it is going to be done. How are we supposed to
1: create some crazy clickbait headline when you right up front, tell people this,
2: you know, now there's no reason to listen or get upset. I know we talked about clickbait in previous episodes and I didn't even think about the fact that we had such a great opportunity to clickbait this topic. And then, I just completely we could have destroyed done, that. Like, fedora
1: closed source, and now worse than Facebook in telemetry? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> and then a picture of us going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is interesting to me because it is just a proposal, but I I'm really excited about this. Never are you going to find an episode where you hear telemetry and Ryan excited in the same sentence. Okay, except for here. Here's why. We've talked on this show about the fact that companies, especially Linux and stuff, do need some level of data. Because right now, for instance, where do most people who haven't been in the Linux community for a long time go to get the statistic to say what the number one distro is today? They typically go <laughs>
2: to DistroWatch. Yeah, Thank
0: DistroWatch. You. Yes. <laughs> and
2: most importantly is that well, I do think that DistroWatch has its purpose. There's it's a lot cool. of great information the in there. Yep. That they, they they're paying attention to updates from different distros, which love is really cool. Those are great. Such a good site. However, those rankings are terrible and mean nothing. Yeah. So <laughs> this is this is kind of the point too. Like developers don't know
1: how well their operating system is doing. Just because 15,000 people downloaded it doesn't mean they didn't just never use it number one doesn't mean they're actively using it or didn't just put it in a vm one time to test it out for a youtube video or something oh they have no information or they just
2: downloaded it one time and used it
1: 20 times yeah Mm. what applications they're using and everything else so fedora is saying hey we want to propose that we find a way to ethically be able to get data that's useful not just for us But for everyone, so other people, you could go query your data, one of the suggestions they have, that they're gathering and basically make it a community-driven thing because they mentioned in the article, that's the only way you can create trust here is if the community kind of owns the process, right? Has ability to own the data that they're ethically collecting and being able to aggregate. And I'm very excited about this idea because if Fedora can pull this off, as well as they've written out this proposal, then other companies could follow suit here. And we could actually set a standard for getting usable, actionable data to developers, what applications necessary and things like that, without invading on people's privacy. Uh, for example, they said we should not collect user search queries because that would be creepy. Like, I even love the words that they use there because, yes, that is very cre- creepy. Yeah. Um, and then they talk about the fact that it would be opt in by default, right? You'd have to choose that you want to to do this and those things. And so the other thing, though, that really impressed me is they said, hey, we can't use the infrastructure of Google Analytics because we have no control over that. So, we're going to run this and be operated by Fedora's infrastructure, something that we can actually control what's happening with that data. Because if they were building something on top of Google Analytics, then you've got to obviously have some trust in Google. Yeah, there. So, this to me is exciting because we need some data to understand how many people are using Linux actively. What are some of the distros that are, are most popular? Where should we invest? most of our money. Where are the gaps in Linux and, and software within Linux that we don't know about? I think this could be done. If it's done ethically, this would be exciting.
2: I agree. I mean, this is actually a topic we've discussed in many episodes over the, over the years that we've been doing this show. And as Ryan said, he has never been excited about this kind of topic that we've covered. And the funny part is that I have always been on the side of it can be done right yeah. and it just needs to be done right. And... It's nice to, to see that Ryan actually is excited about this because they're saying the things that I've been wanting people to do. And I think that every distro should have some level of telemetry. Yeah. Now, of course, how they do that telemetry is important. I don't want any private data being collected. I don't want any information about the individual, not even the IP address, nothing. The only thing they would need to do for identification is to hash the machine itself and then you wouldn't even need to know the details about like everything about the machine, but some some critical things like, is it AMD or is it NVIDIA? That sort of thing might be interesting. And then you have a machine ID that identifies this as an individual install. And then when you install, take that same ISO, put it on another machine, it will create a different machine ID. So that means the download statistics would no longer be skewed because they would have the statistics for based on how many machines it's being used on. That would be mm-hmm. very powerful information for the ecosystem of links to have, not just Fedora, but like everything would be beneficial to have that information. And if all of the distros had that built in, I would I would love for this to be a universal project where any project can just any distro could come in and pull it in. That would be amazing. And hopefully this could be turned into that at some point, because mm-hmm. that would be ideal. This is
1: how far they want to go to build trust. They're saying they're going to set up in such a way that experienced users may gain additional confidence by building and running their own metrics collection server, basically a clone of what they've produced here. That would be amazing. Yeah, And we'll provide instructions on how to run this simple server yourself and view its metric database. You can redirect metrics from Fedora's server to your own by changing the URL in the configuration file so you can see everything collected and make decisions. Because it's not just about what you're collecting sometimes it's about the amount of data you're collecting for instance if it's very rare for a person to use this off the wall operating system and you're pulling metrics from that and it's between three or four people and then you have the country of origin you know let's say four people run this custom distro and then you also collect someone's country of origin well it's very easy now to start creating more identifiable profiles because it's such a limited amount
2: of people you could do fingerprinting and stuff yeah
1: fingerprinting and those things so it looks like by by doing this these type this type of transparency will allow people to bring up issues like that that hey if we don't have enough data for this particular pool of data of metrics that we've pulled in let's just throw it out and then if you have something that has tons of data like Ubuntu users, it would be very hard to fingerprint hundreds of thousands of people individually from that. So these are some of the things they're considering. I think this is very cool because it could set the standard for what we tell other companies we kind of demand when it comes to metric collection. Yes, you can do metric collection, but you need to do it ethically. And here's the example of how. So I hope they stick to this very community driven way of building this. And I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, this is great. To me, when I was reading this, this reminded me of kind of the next step of what Canonical has done with Ubuntu, where they take those metrics and and you know how many installs there have been and what hard drives are in use. And it's yep. really helped them improve their product. So, but this is kind of even more fine grained, fine tuned. Yeah,
2: it's really like it. cool. Okay, so really the, the fundamental question to, about this is that what's the over-under in regards to how many people hate this news or in support of this news?
1: Mm. I think the vast majority are reasonable people.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I'm going to say that you got 80% of the people who are like, fine, whatever, this totally makes sense. And then you're going to have 20% of the people who no matter what, just because you've used the word telemetry, are going to hate it. Yeah. So that's, that's where a, we'll be. That, that's, that's a pretty
2: good percentage, I think. Yeah. I hope Somewhere. that's I hope that's how it is because I was kind of going 50-50, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> you with little faith. Jill would be like
1: 100% because everyone's good.
0: Aw. <laughs> that,
1: well, I do
0: think you. that collecting data while ensuring individual privacy to improve Fedora and the for- Fedora desktop experience, I am actually all for, so...
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to know more about <laughs> yeah. what distros people are utilizing, what's popular hardware-wise. Yes. We could actually get drivers and things earlier if we knew there were
2: a bunch of people utilizing specific types of hardware and things. Yeah. There's uh, even just the argument of, like, people constantly say this. Companies, I don't want to support Linux because there's not enough users. Yeah. We don't know how many users there actually are. Correct. So we have no ability to, to refute that statement. And if all these distros implemented a way to find out how many people are actually ethically. using Linux, ethically, yes, obviously, that's that's implied, Ryan.
1: Ethically, Michael.
2: Ethically, telemetry, <laughs> data collection. Okay. So if they did that, we would actually have this information that we could share with these companies to convince them why they would be able to support Linux and make money on doing so. And right now, we have an argument of, well, there's not enough users. Well, there are, there are plenty of users. Yes. How many? How many? I don't know. <laughs> that's that's our reaction.
1: Oh, you <laughs> want to support businesses? Michael? Yeah. You're coming more into Linux, you capitalist pig. <laughs> <laughs> you capitalist
2: pig. Apparently, that's what you are. You're uh, apparently, a- I am a corporate mouthpiece or something. <laughs> corporate you know?
1: mouthpiece, capitalist pig, potato. You're a potato, a brotato, because we're friends.
0: Yes. Absolutely. A bro-tato. You are a potato, a... <laughs> Michael.
2: I wonder where you got that term, Ryan. Hmm.
0: Well, <laughs> there there is the magic of the yummy potato. You mm. can make a baked potato, potato chips, potato salad, True. fries, hmm. or yummy roasted potatoes, which are one of my favorites. And even play as a potato in a video game. Our game this week is (laughs) Brotato. So this is a top-down arena shooter roguelike where you play a potato wielding up to six weapons at a time to fight off hordes of aliens. You can choose from a variety of traits and and items to create unique builds and survive until help arrives. And Brotato awesomely has over 39 Thousand How did that happen? <laughs> overwhelmingly positive what reviews do you mean, on Steam. thirty nine
2: thousand. thousand. And I it's can it's only see been why. out for like a week or two, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. And this game, you know, it's actually very challenging and fun. And frustrating at the same time.
1: It would be challenging to be a killer potato. Yeah. you have no that arms. Would be challenging, yeah. you know.
0: It, you know what, uh, Ryan and Michael, t- this game actually kind of reminded me of a, a cross between Vampire Survivors and Dark Souls. Of a a good wow, the fact you
1: threw Dark Souls in there one of the most beloved (laughs) AAA games of all time. Beloved, yes, yeah. I mean, we've
2: I think we've both played different Dark Souls. (laughs) I mean,
1: the people who love it love it though, but yes, it is a painful experience for the normies that try to play Dark Souls. But for Uh. those who love it, like they it's one of the most beloved franchises of all time, and we're comparing Bro yeah and
0: vampire survivor right. is one of the top games right, on the Jill. steam deck <laughs>
1: okay okay <Jill>. so <laughs> Bro-ta-
0: brotato potato actually reminds me of playing an old school flash game was in it because it has very simple graphics but with modern functionality and the soundtrack is absolutely outstanding i loved it it's very yeah, well very done.
2: good very good soundtrack so it's, it's very like synth wave and edm stuff yeah, it's, it's really day. good <laughs>
1: You know, potatoes can be pretty ruthless. If you ever lost one in the back of a cabinet or into your pantry or something, they like take on a life of their own. Oh, with,
0: and the rats get to them, <laughs> and the roaches—they can be <laughs>
2: ruthless in a way. I guess. Yes, yeah. I, I, I mean, suppose.
1: Potatoes—you you make fun of potato. Potato will whoop you if you leave it long enough by itself in a dark hope corner they, of your house.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I very—I don't think a lot of people are going to get this reference, but I hope they allow you to name your potato, your brotato. I'm going to name him Spud Web.
0: <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I'll just go with
2: it. it sounds
0: so rotato can be picked up during the awesome steam summer sale through July 13th for 20% off at $3.99. And listen, it is deck verified
1: woo Nice. This would be a fun game to play in the deck. And uh, yeah. the developer and publisher, Blobfish. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just absolutely fantastic job, honestly, to be able to create a game with limited graphics like this, but make it so much fun that so many people are having a great time with it. That's what gaming's all about. To get 39,000
2: awesome. in less than a month. I yeah. know. It's,
1: You're doing something wow. right. You're doing something right. Our software spotlight is Lemonade. So something to go with your potato. Very tasty. Little Lemonade. Yeah. there's squeeze a little
0: lemon on on the potato.
1: Well, for those who are upset about what's going on with Reddit, there is a replacement out there called Lemmy. Now, Lemmy uses... Oh, I thought we were actually talking
2: about what network. goes good with potatoes because Lemonade, would be a nice... Actually, it would
0: be.
1: Yeah. Uh, Lemmy is a federated open source kind of Reddit alternative. And because it's federated, it means that it doesn't have the discoverability that Reddit has. And this is what we talk about with federated networks all the time. Their biggest flaw is the big advantage they sell, which is it's federated but you can't find other servers and stuff. So hopefully they can find a way to overcome that somehow because you still have to go in and if you're using Lemmy and I think manually type in the actual server, you have to know that other server exists to be able to link to it. And then if you get a comment, you have to go to that other server to read the comment on that server versus it going to the server you signed up for. It's not fantastic yet, okay? There's flaws in the Fediverse thing, but there are some really cool communities there. So just like in Mastodon, you can find some amazing people. I've made really good friends on Mastodon in the past, and it's hard to find people. But when you do, they're really cool. And Lemmy has some of that too. They have some really cool communities. And you can use the app Lemonade as a interface client to Lemmy and makes it a little bit easier and more intuitive and visually appealing to utilize it. So a couple of things, check out Lemmy, see what's there, see if there's something interesting there, replace Reddit with, especially if there's like one specific topic you're interested in, because it's kind of, Lemmy has servers broken out kind of by topics there and you choose one to sign up for. It's not, you can't really see the other ones, but you'd have to know what the URLs are. Anyway, just go check it out. Lemmy, lemonade, potatoes.
2: I wonder if there's a feature that they're going to be adding to Lemmy for an aggregate of the most popular topics in the Fediverse on Lemmy, and they're going to name that section Show You. So it could be Lemmy Show You.
0: Ah, <gasps> that, very <man>. good, Michael. <laughs> Jeez,
1: you're a genius, that dude. joke. <laughs> Just a genius. A potato. Right. Potato genius.
2: Brotato genius. Bro-tato.
0: Bro-tato. Yeah.
2: So the tip of the week this week is... Eat more Whether, potatoes. Like It goes perfectly with uh, potatoes and lemonade. It's file transfers. <laughs> <laughs> can you power file transfers with a potato? You can make a clock. You yeah, can also you can uh, power light bulbs you with a You can power potato, light bulbs. You can make a radio. <laughs> you can, so if you need to send files to someone, you can use Gnome's new warp tool. It's just similar to Warpinator by Linux Mint, but this is the tool built made by Gnome. And it uses... The Magic Wormhole Protocol. I just mm-hmm. wanted to say the Magic Wormhole because that's <laughs> fun. Good choice of naming that. So Warp allows you to securely send files to you know, one computer to another via the internet or also on your local network. And if it is on a local network, it will choose to do that by default before it tries to do the internet method. So the best transfer method will be determined using this Magic Wormhole Protocol to decide whether it needs to be local or over the internet so you can send files between multiple devices, uh, every transfer is encrypted, you can directly transfer files on the local network if possible and use the internet if required. You can do it quickly through sending a URL to someone or having someone scan a QR code and many other ways. So it's actually a very simplistic application that just does this one thing of sending the files, but it has the multiple aspects of whether it's local or not. So it's it's very smooth in how it works, but it's not clear exactly how to do it up front. So you might have to kind of click around and see exactly what to do because the UI is really simple. And sometimes simple UI is fantastic and sometimes it can be a little too Too simple. simple. Too simple. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. It's like we're... Twins.
1: yeah, Or I set that up very perfectly and
2: you knew it was going to happen because that's just how a natural (laughs) conversation.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I love these type of tools because what I use them for is to move files, you know, between computers and things, especially when I do big video production stuff. Mm -hmm. Be able to, if I'm going to edit downstairs or whatever, I could just throw something in one of these applications and then go downstairs on the computer and grab it, download that file. Uh, you can use cloud services and things for that too, but then you got to take the time to upload it. Mm-hmm. And some of those cloud services will actually degrade the quality in order to compact the amount of space that it's taking as yep. well, which is an issue. Yeah. So
2: I really uh, like this so as, a, as a local solution because I've many times wanted to move files from one computer to another, like my laptop to my desktop. And it's just a much easier way to do it if it's local transfer rather than having to have a an internet server in, in the mix. But you can also, in addition to that, you can have a custom server in the mix if you want. So if you, by default, it uses the magic wormhole one, but there's also ability to change what that server is. Now, it doesn't say how to build out that server, but I'm sure you could check it out and figure out if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, I thought it was cool that you could actually send a f- folder full of files as well, because some of the other services only let you do a file at a time. So I thought that was pretty yeah. cool.
1: Nice. And, and make sure you look at uh, the right warp because one of our <laughs> patrons just said, is it this one that's $20 a month? It's uh, no, it would not. Be
0: yeah. so
1: we will have it's a Gnome link in warp. the show notes and it's definitely a Gnome app. So yeah. it should be in your software center to check out. All right. So a huge thank you to each and every potato out there. <laughs> we love your faces and thank you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. Our potatoes out there are amazing and we love whether you're a your fry, a
2: wedge, a, a, roasted a potato, potato waffle, like roasted, diced, We'd sliced, mashed
0: <laughs> mashed or <crushed>. Mexican papa. <laughs> Yummy.
1: Sure.
2: Oh my goodness. So <laughs> We love your faces, and also we would love to see your faces so you could join us in the Discord server. And for those who are thinking, like, this isn't Discord audio only. No, there's also video sharing. You can have video chats in there too. So tuxdigital.com slash Discord if you want to join us in there. You can also watch the show live by becoming a patron. And if you become a patron, that's just one of the cool perks. In addition to be able to watch it live, you also can join us in a patron-only section of the Discord (gasps) server. I (laughs) can't? Yeah, we have those as well. So go to tuxdigital.com slash membership to sign up and become a patron. You can also go to tuxdigital.com slash store to get Yay. some awesome swag. We have t-shirts like the the Linux is every Linux is everywhere t-shirt, the Linux ninety-one shirt, Destination Linux shirt. Also have tote bags. We have Yay. a variety of things like hoodies and mugs and hats and stickers and coasters and the list just goes on and on. So get Man, all that wanna and more. I want to become a patron <laughs> because you know what else we're doing for the patrons? What's Every that? Every
1: version of the show.
2: Oh, that is a new thing that we're going to do. That I hope that we aren't expected to do it this week because it's <laughs> way too late for to changing. Week the editing thing on me that quick and having no okay, warning. what's next week, which we'll be recording on <laughs> Thursday, we'll be will begin this ad free version of the show option. Oh, I'm so glad you took the hint patrons. of me saying directly, yeah. I don't want to do it this time because it's only like two days. Listen, I'm your brotato, bro.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> your brotato. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Ryan, I didn't uh, know anything about this. What's up? <laughs> no, I
1: well, I just announced it to everyone <laughs> at the same
2: time. <laughs> just For those who are wondering if we scripted the show, takes. no, because <laughs> even the things that we agree to, I didn't even know we were going to talk about it. That's <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: that just- <laughs> that funny.
2: So
1: there's so many reasons to become a patron now. Like, yeah. Endless. It's like the endless. greatest thing ever. If you're not a patron. What are you? Yeah, exactly. Couch potato. <laughs>
2: there's all there's there's every every kind of version of potato is good except for that one. Yeah. So become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership, and you too can become a potato of <laughs> Can we Tux have a Digital membership or, tier of brotato? I think yeah. we have to we, now.
0: We, we yeah. absolutely have to. Yeah. And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show this week in Linux, the Dos Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud. Hardware Addicts, Linux Saloon. Now with video. And yes, yes, uh, Hardware Addicts with video. Uh, Linux Saloon and our newest show to keep not only your minds, but your bodies fit fit and fueled (laughs) and everyone head to text and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app. So others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source. Awesome sauce. And everybody have an awesome week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
2: Thanks everyone. We love you. See you next week. (laughs) By the way, Ryan, that Spud web reference is a basketball player.
0: Is, <laughs> he, oh, that's yeah. why yeah, I got yeah, yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I
1: was hoping it wasn't something Linuxy or geeky that I should have known, but when you mentioned, that's sport, why I mentioned and it. Now I, is, I is, automatically
2: is, know I shouldn't. I don't know. know how many people are big fans of basketball like I am, and also remember somebody from the eighties. <laughs>